0: Chapter twenty eight of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Francis Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. A small rim of safety and an abyss below. The terror of that abyss was still in her heart, but a hand, rough and sudden, had plucked her thence and thrown her to this edge. So it seemed to Jessamine she still feared what lay below down there they had pinned her to a place of torture in the centre of a whirl of fire and noise there were shapes and cries regiments of creatures waves of fire and wide shouting mouths with fangs that darted out and fastened on her heart but the great dread was that which lay behind somewhere beyond that wheel of discord and suffering lurked a shadow small still insignificant but containing within itself monstrous possibilities the consciousness of this was worse than the sharpness of the severest pain it lay like a stone black and heavy dropped through space from a distant star something that was meant for her which lay still enough now but which the pressure of a myriad miles was not sufficient to hold down that was the horrible uneasy dread suppose the thing moved or grew or uttered sounds her heart bare to those other fangs trembled at this surmise with unutterable fear the dread was secret too she stifled it kept it down looked away from it dared not protect herself or confess her horror lest she should arouse the treacherous shade and yet while holding her fear at bay she knew it was in vain little by little the tiny murmur began a low fatal whisper full of foreboding through all the nearer clamour it reached her ear and then did it not grow so small so shapeless and so dim it waxed and increased with averted eyes and an agony of will she denied that it was so said it lay still and tiny and harmless was but a stone and nothing more little by little the murmur increased and the shape became greater her heart was cold with apprehension her blood ran ice her nerves crept and quivered while the whirl of fire went round and the fangs fastened on her that murmur gathered volume that shape heaped on vastness until the heaven itself grew black then it moved now her secret dread was held at bay no longer it turned to frantic panic better surrender to the fire and the whirl and the fangs than await that treacherous horror beyond for she knew she knew all that mountain of dismay had been gathering through ages for her and her alone she was the object the victim it came to claim her on and on slowly then more swiftly and at last with bounds with it drew onward the murmur and this altered as it neared and formed a word a single word that would break over her in a clash like thunder and let some dreaded secret into her ears defend her against that word the thing overshadowed her it had wings and eyes and claws that fastened on her heart and then she understood it was the outward embodiment of what she hid within the thing knew about the nerve of nerves the hidden sensitive fibre the secret place it was part of that the inevitable necessary consequence as she had nursed the one into being the other black and horrible treachery had been coming too it intimately belonged to her it had an irresistible irrevocable claim the citadel of citadels was open to that ill-omened shade that was its place no remotest corner was safe or could be safe from its rifling beak bars and defences will itself were vain It was close upon her she felt it swooping down with wings and claws horror and black darkness overwhelmed her yet she turned to defy it she fought the demon with puny hands of unimaginable despair clutching the red throat open at her she would stifle the spoken word choke it in the utterance break it off though the talons slew her Heavens! how she dreaded that word, how the idea of the unknown thing appalled her. There! a wrench, a crash like thunder in her ears, a shriek that tore the sky, a horrible moment, and then, when all was lost, the mighty hand, rough but merciful, snatching her away to toss her here, apart, on the narrow rim of safety hell was over. She lay still. A sound like the tramping of departing armies, the rustle and beating of hundreds of wings, was all she heard. The orderly, regular tread, the shiver in the air above, but the sound lessened and sank to a quiet, distant hum. After the terror there was peace. Jessamine whose was the voice it came from an unimaginable distance must she indeed arise already ah yes she was too near the abyss the thing might overtake her yet that rim of safety was a small shelf from which she might fall back besides did she not know that a journey lay before her and that the way was long and the time too short moreover what was the secret the word that crashed in her ears was overpowered by sound the meaning lost in thunder she must seek it yet seek and find it for herself she no longer dreaded it it was the way she dreaded the going thither where the secret lay hid her feet were led her limbs like those of a corpse her hands feeble yet she must go the way lay before her how terrible how weary an upright series of enormous steps cloud-like rough-hewn with no apparent ending that was the way weak and beaten up those she must climb and cling until she reached the summit her feeble limbs essayed the fearsome progress with leaden aching efforts with nerveless hands stumbles and hairbreadth escapes on and on she pressed clinging climbing dragging herself on hands and knees and this for ages on and on till time was gray then invisible hands raised her and the effort was over there was a plain wide and desolate and full of twilight afar off lay a range of mountains it was there that the secret would be found and miles and days of weary journeying lay between she sat alone and mourned her head in her breast she drew the veil closer about her face and sorrowed it was because of those whom she knew would pass by because of the steps that were coming and the eyes that pressed toward her fain would she hide from those eyes behind lay a vista of the ages the ages of the future and the unborn faces little faces came up from them her ears were full of the tread of little feet little hands clutched at the veil and dragged it from her eyes the eyes of unborn children looked at her with an awful reproach they came and touched her with cold hands and looked and passed little feet and little hands and eyes that were dreadful each had the eyes of her suffering boy Each had the impress of her husband. She rose and tottered on, tears rained down her cheeks. By her side walked another shape, something unknown yet intimate. She had no fear, but knew not who it was. Her hand was locked in that other's, and she heard the tread of little feet before her, yet saw nothing the children she said the children i am smitten by the eyes of children they toiled on toward the mountains and suddenly there fronted her the walls as it were of a city with gates in the midst and this she neared but always before ran the sound of little feet hurrying the children have gone first she said bearing their accusation they carry she said my sins my crime she would have fled and turned back fear of the children overpowered her fear of the little cold hands of the feet that made such haste before of the eyes that told so much but her palm was pressed by iron fingers that is fate said she the gates swing back before them and she saw a light beyond is it over she said am i dead dead said a voice close to her ear dr cornerstone stood by the bedside of the exhausted woman watching her face anxiously what he saw was a marble-white countenance with pinched worn features lying like a carved ivory wedge between two heavy curtains of flowing dishevelled hair the white lids and long dark lashes hid the eyes and only by the tiny labored whistling breath did he know she lived the hand slim feeble in a strangely tired attitude lay outside the coverlet every now and then he took the unresisting wrist in his and laid his finger on the pulse so still she lay so nerveless and beaten with so much the look of a creature that has abdicated from her place and resigned all effort the hand itself abandoning its toil that from hour to hour he could hardly have said whether she lived or not How should he know the agony of effort through which the poor soul passed, the torment and the weary expiation? Not all his insight and his sympathy could teach him. He saw only the small, worn face lying between the masses of the hair that tumbled over the pillow. From watching her, he directed his attention elsewhere. His patient lay in a spacious room which opened to an antechamber. It was night, and the curtains were drawn. The fire and the lamps brought everything to a beautiful, subdued glow, and the quiet of a perfectly appointed sick-room was only broken by the sound of the fire and the hum of a kettle. On the hearth sat a young woman in the dress of a nurse, her quiet face turned to the glow. She sat, significant fact, with idle hands. A young but experienced nurse she was, with an aptitude for difficult cases, who attended Jessamine for the first time. The doctor walked toward her. She rose respectfully, yet, as it were, tempering her subordination with a sense of merit. She will do for the moment he said but i shall remain until i see clearer signs of consciousness a little hurt dignity flecked her cheek she knew so well her own capacity was so ready for emergencies indeed in sudden difficult moments she was sure that she excelled a hundred instances rose to her mind certainly dr cornerstone she replied with studious gentleness but in any case i should know how to evade her questions i have had cases before where tact was called for just so said the doctor absently and passed on the nurse rose and hovered near the bed deftly keeping an eye on the patient without troubling her her step could not be heard her movements were soothing and wholesome but her feeling was sore toward dr cornerstone the same room saw the tragedy of jessamine's soul and the small upset dignity of the nurse who was assured of her qualifications to treat it about the catastrophes of life play all sorts of tiny shafts of the smaller kind the little affairs of irrelevant minds all unconscious of the depths they shoot across that is the little worldliness intermingling itself as ever with the mystery and reality of life meanwhile dr cornerstone unwitting of the flutter left behind him raised a curtain and passed into the antechamber this too was warmed and lighted and here too a second nurse sat idle and silent on the hearth not all the warmth nor all the light could warm that which lay within the handsome cradle coldly pushed to a far corner the chill of it was in the air he stood contemplating the hundred nursery appliances which had been prepared for the last hope of the house of Harriet, the luxuries and comforts which should have coaxed and cosseted the small life onward to its splendid destiny, the material angels which should have carried the heir in their hands over perilous years and landed him securely at last in the heritage of his father's the heritage of his father's he had gathered that already dr cornerstone walked up to the cradle which in its baby magnificence was shaped for a lord and drew the silken curtain aside the heir and the heritage of the house of harriet both lay there together thus had fallen the answer to the will and the designing of man the doctor returned and took his place by jessamine's bedside no patient in all london needed his care his consolation so much the nurse sat by the fire thinking of her merit and telling herself anecdotes of her past achievements and so the hours of the night went on after a time when the silence was heaviest when it lay like a weight in the midst of the warmth and light and when like an unwelcome ghost the chill ray of early dawn crept through the closed shutters she saw the doctor bend close to the face of his patient jessamine the eyes locked so long beneath the half-moons of their lids opened and gazed at him in an astonishment that slowly altered to suspense the plane and her companion had vanished jessamine's consciousness of earth and of herself had returned she lay still in her own chamber as she surmised but her senses were numb so that she could neither see nor hear neither could she move or speak her mental power was however the clearer for that darkening of the rest and her brain conjured up thoughts with a force and directness hitherto unknown to her memory especially was active pictures of her past life rose before her clear defined yet passionless the emotion which had accompanied each scene had faded they lay before her in the calm light of the judgment and reflection here and here said she placing the finger of her mind upon this and that i stumbled i missed the way deliriously i chose wrong she went backward from the last scene of all which blurred and terrible struggled at last into remembrance the last scene which had blotted out her mind for a time and from which onward she recalled nothing slowly with effort with shrinking reluctance she reproduced it the wide bright nursery the sudden unlooked-for fury of the idiot girl the fear of the helpless cripple her own falling form with the flash of tables and chairs and common objects in the last glance of her eyes and the shrieks that were suddenly silent to her ears yes she remembered from that time onward she must have been ill and now her mind dropped the memory wearily from it she wandered far away to the days when hopes of many kinds varied bright-coloured and glittering danced through her heart like noisy children through a playground in those days all her thoughts were little shouts of laughter and victory out of the mirrors of her mind looked the young fresh fatal beauty my bitter fate the way i missed where was the way she asked surely it was where duty lay with clear unfailing memory she recalled the nine years of her steady adherence to that path those who weaved beheld in the woven tissue some reward to their labor those who plowed and sowed reaped a harvest Those who persevered reached a goal, but for her, nothing. The narrowest, most carefully followed path led to disaster. "'What is duty?' asked the sick woman. "'Who taught me how to find it?' Her lids were heavy and hurt her eyes, her lashes hurt as they lay on her cheeks. "'I see nothing.' i am too weary she said one spot of earth and one alone was dear to her in memory the very pain of it was sweet time discriminates for us the reality of our treasures from the show we may come to take pain as our dearest possession not distinguishing it from happiness because it is the one thing which if we lose we lose as it were the self the soul that memory lay at the bottom of her heart it was a hidden consciousness which for ten years had neither sunk beneath the horizon of vivid recollection nor passed the bars of her lips for her the pastures of a distant land were ever moist with morning dew and the harvest was still growing toward completion and the everlasting hills lying silent above a human drama she retraced that past one by one the kindly gentle faces rose before her all that is save the one face his face from the day she had fled to this, neither in dreams nor in memory had she ever been able to summon before her again. It had been blotted out. He walked through her mind always with head averted. She sank for a time into something that seemed like slumber, or rather it was the unforced wandering of the thoughts. She was back in the heaths and fields of Dolphaber she felt the sun smite hot between the rows of stooks in the barley-field she heard the wind ringing the music from the nodding heads she felt the breeze blowing over the heather the melody of the quivering birch-trees was in her ear the scent of fir-trees filled a sunny air and suddenly out of the midst of it all clear vivid and real as reality the long-lost and unseen face which her treacherous memory could never conjure bent over her looking in her eyes with the smile of his old love Colin, jessamine that was not his voice slowly the vision faded but she had had time to learn his features afresh End of chapter twenty eight